yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a smart plan by our government, but right, um, right. <laughs> but it's 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 pretty cool. Over time, this this prison shut down after ten or fifteen years. It just wasn't a sustainable plan. They put in their own septic plan. It, it gets more snow than anywhere in Michigan does where this is located, and um, so it's been closed ten or fifteen years. So my buddy and I, we bought it here here what? recently. Are, are you serious? Welcome to the Real Construction Owners Podcast, where we interview real construction owners doing big things in their life and their business. Today, we have a special guest, Aaron Caterberg, owner of G Rapids Irrigation, crushing it. We're going to be talking about investments, we're going to talk about business processes, painful mistakes. Let's go. Welcome, Aaron. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. This is a pleasure. You know, as a fellow GoBundance member, I had to get you on the call today because if you're a part of GoBundance, that means you have a minimum net worth of seven to eight figures, depending on which level you're in. Talk to me. Before we get into that, I want to know what's your story. How'd you get into irrigation? How'd you get into construction? Walk us down memory lane. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. My grandpa started in this industry, in this business back in 1957. Um, so there's a lot of family history here. Um, my grandpa was a licensed plumber, worked on HVAC and plumbing, and um, and kind of took care of the irrigation, which was very new at the time. Um, Michigan's a northern market, and you it ironically it developed here earlier than other places with some of Ford and GM and things over by Detroit, and he kind of picked up on that. Back in the day, it was all copper pipes underground, and and things going that way. So as a plumber, it was just an instant fit for him. Um, he, he ran that business until the late seventies and had four sons and all of them went on to other things. As many entrepreneurs, boys do, they see that, uh, it's not for them, all the headaches of employees and problems and contracting. And, um, and so he sold out his business and my, my dad had started a racket club, um, in the mid seventies and was, like athletics. a poker, like a poker racket or like an athletic racket, like an athletic racket, like tennis and <laughs> racquetball and all that kind of stuff back in the day. Um, and, and so that's what I grew up around early on. And then he was working in universities as an athletic director before that. Um, so grew up around that a little bit. But but his business, he had two partners in that business who were still left in 1986 and the one partner keeled over on a golf course and died who owned a majority. And under the terms of the contract, my dad was out of a job and out of everything that he'd worked on and built. He was the operating partner in that whole thing. And so wow. he started over back in the sprinkling business. He knew how to dig holes and knew how to put sprinklers in the ground and knew a lot of people in the community. Our family's been here for four generations. And um, so he went back to work that way. So I was 12 years old. And um, I, I got to run a shovel a little bit during the summer. Um, and as I got older, got to run a crew and, and service trucks and uh, swore I was never, ever going to do this no matter what happened. And um, so I went off to college for other things on a tennis scholarship, kind of coming out of some of my history that way. And uh, then went off to grad school and um, decided to get married and, and move back. And um, my dad needed some help and it was an easy fit for me while my wife was finishing grad school. So as she finished grad school, I went back to digging holes and putting sprinklers in the ground. And, um, and I butted heads with the managers and my dad was very much an S if you've read uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrants book. Um, he was a small business, which is most of the green industry and most of the contractors who do mowing and irrigation and those types of things and um, held on to everything very tightly. And I had ideas for bigger and better, I think as every son does who grows up around a business. And so I quit and went to work running landscape crews and um, doing different things like that for another company. Uh, I, I then got dragged back in when both of my dad's managers quit a year or two later, um, both of his installation and his service manager and he begged me to come back and help 
And I think we realized that I had more of a gifting for business operations and for people than I did necessarily for, um, or at least a passion for running a business than I did for putting sprinklers in the ground. And I got stuck. Um, that's 20 years ago now. Um, I started buying my dad out um, on a 20-year buyout, which is done. Um, <laughs> and, but then at the end of 10 years, I took 100% control. At the end of 20 years, I finished paying off the final loan and the final debt for things. Um, but as as we went on, his business was under a million-dollar company at that time. When I started, about 700000 Um This year, we're probably close to $5 million. Impressive. So there's so many things to unpack within the first opening statements to our audience, contractors, home builders, CEOs, trying to improve their processes and protect their construction company. So you said, first things first, the, the man, he passed away. And then that other person lost their job because he wasn't in the operation operating agreement. That's the first takeaway that I saw. It's like, if you're going to be a partner in something, you need to make sure that you have that protected in the terms. The second thing is you had, you said your father was an S personality in Robert Kiyosaki's uh, methodology, and you had bigger and better, brighter business operations ideas. I'm curious, why do you think those two managers or individuals quit the business? Yeah. So what ended up happening consistently over the years is um, in a business like this, when they're small, um, they see an opportunity that they feel like they're doing a lot of the work and they think they they know how to do sprinkling. So they go out and start their own business. The one manager went that direction, um, even though he had been a longtime employee and had been treated well. And the second one, he went um, and moved out to California. His wife got another job and, and things cycle. I mean, in our industry in construction, we're not top of the food chain for grabbing employees, the top level people coming out of college, maybe our GCs or something like that, but aren't necessarily uh, sprinkler guys running crews or um, acting as service people. So there, there's some turnover. And in Michigan, our, our business is a seasonal business. So we really only run about seven months a year. Sounds like business operations is truly your gift. Like we all have a specific thing we need to focus on. And you mentioned you had bigger and better ideas. What were some of those tactics, strategies, techniques that you implemented that enabled y'all to go from 700 to 5 million? If you could list out maybe three to five of them. Yeah, so if I back up, and I think my gifting, if you look on the GoBundance piece, um, is, is dealing with numbers. Any Anytime I'm in a group, um, big picture numbers click with me. I'm not an accountant, but just things from a very broad viewpoint uh, make sense to me. At the time, my dad didn't manage by the numbers. So I think that was one big thing, implementing that and looking at percentages, um, say, for instance, our our. Uh, material or our labor versus our revenue. An another thing that to answer your other question that I implemented is I I work very hard after a few years. I'd been around this business a long time. My dad is a spectacular man, um, is an extremely hard worker. My grandpa was the same way, but my grandpa had like a sixth grade education. My dad had more of a formal education and came more from the academic world. Um, I realized that I needed mentors in my life, that I needed to surround myself with people who were smarter and better than I was. Uh, so I started a peer group um, of that's currently about 10 guys. Um, most of them were a bit older than I was. That's who I was looking at. Some of the top people in the industry, uh, I wanted their companies to be similar to mine. Um, so they varied anywhere from Colorado to the East Coast. And we really look for northern contractors because we wanted contractors who were seasonal. Um, a contractor in irrigation in Florida um, doesn't have the same issues that I have here in Michigan. Hmm. Hmm. Um, that is brilliant. You started a mastermind. You started a mastermind before it was a thing, like before it was a big term, is what I'm hearing. And you yes. were looking to, to collaborate and learn from other people struggling are not struggling, you know, going through the same issues that you were dealing with. So that's a really good piece of advice right there. 
what's what's another tip or two that you implemented to take your company from a million to five million? Yeah, so I, I think the difference between an S and a B, and I'm not truly a B according to Robert Kiyosaki, but is uh, an S owns his job. Um, so a small business owner owns a job, a B or a big business owner owns a system. And so realized that we had to put systems in place. We standardized all of our trucks instead of every truck that we could buy and whatever cheap bins, we, we made sure all the bins were the same. So you could walk up to every truck and the labels were all the same and all the parts were the same. And I could switch two guys in the truck this one morning and they would have the identical setup and know how to run it from one to the next. Uh, another one that I incorporated was all of our trailers were done that way and our equipment was done that way. Just everything we standardized. We didn't worry about um, getting the lowest price on some of those things. It was a long-term plan, which is different as, as I'm a little bit older now when you're 50 years old versus when you're 25 years old. Um, you just see the world differently and you spend your money in different ways. Um, I love that. I love that. So so the collaboration of working with other guys, you you must have learned the idea of systemizing your business, maybe through that, or maybe it came to you, that idea. Um those are two very good answers. And I'm trying to pry for just one more. What's one more thing that you did that enabled your company to go, you know, to go all the way to $5 million? Yeah, we, I mean, we, there's a lot more, Justin. So, I mean, another one uh, that I kind of picked up from the peer group, um, there's a good friend and mentor of mine in Ohio. And when I started looking at his numbers and books, he would run a PL on every one of his construction trucks. So every one of those those trucks um, was thinking as a business owner. We started working on doing that after seeing his system and, and running our accounting that way. So everybody started getting the idea of what we have in overhead, what we're spending on materials, and and trying to <laughs> get them to run and think like like I think as a business owner, we wanted them to own their piece. So we did a thing called performance pay as well. Maybe I'm jumping to another one on you, but no, this is pay. good. This is good, dude. Performance okay. pay. All right. They, they would get paid off of the profitability of their, their truck, or they started referring to them as their companies. And, um, and, th and that was a game changer. They really own their destiny. Instead of just being an hourly employee, they had potential to make a lot more money. Um, and if they made the company more money, which is the way I think the world should run. Uh, uh, uh. So you incentivize people to take, you know, become more entrepreneurial. And by having a P&L for every truck, that made essentially every truck its own business. That is a wizard tactic. That's very, very smart. Never heard that in all the episodes I've ever that's awesome. Thank you for that. I'm sure we could pull some more nuggets of wisdom out of you. There's a lot more. So, I mean, the, the smartest people steal the most ideas, right? So as we got with, uh, with a peer group, I started seeing ways that different guys were doing things. We changed our pricing structure um, based on seeing things and trends that were happening around the country and in other industries. Um, we used to be time and material on everything. Well, what happens then is time and material, you go out to uh, your house and nobody has any idea what we're going to charge them at the end. And we send them a bill right in the mail a couple of days later after we processed and reviewed the bill. And and you get the bill and you go, what in the world? You just charged me a thousand dollars and you came out for any, and I had no idea that this was going to be this way. And so we switched over to what we call upfront pricing or is sometimes referred to as flat rate pricing. And made it so our technicians could tell every customer <laughs> excuse me what they were going to pay before we ever did the job that is a phenomenal tip man you you made it about systemizing your business i i'm sure I, we could pull a few more incredible ideas out of you and if you want to share one or two more we'd appreciate that um but the next topic i'm curious to know about is how masterminds and how peer groups have helped you. You and I are both in GoBundance. And if you're a listener who wants to be around top level individuals, you can click the link below. We have a special sign up 
where it's for seven and eight figure members only. GoBundance is an incredible uh, vehicle and mastermind where you get to surround yourself with an incredible peer group. So Aaron, with that being said, what what is GoBundance or what has other masterminds done for you? Yeah, so um, GoBundance is relatively new. So I'll start uh, with some of the other masterminds or things that I've been in. EO is another one, the Entrepreneurs Organization. And uh, it's interesting because each different group of people you surround yourself with adds, adds value to your life, right? Changes your perspective, changes who you are. And, and EO is uh, localized for us that I'm in a forum once a month and meeting with other business owners who have similar size businesses. And, and we just share a lot of life. Um, that's really been a blessing in my life, um, has really changed the way that I think and connected me with our community and given me a lot of other opportunities. Um, the irrigation peer group, that one, those guys get what I do day to day. They get how my business should run and, and seeing tweaks in my business in specific, instead of talking in generalities. That one is is really a game changer. If I'm interested in talking about a specific machine or a specific piece of equipment or how I incentivize people, there's probably someone in that group who's tried it. Um, we have an ongoing chat. Um, those guys have become, in both instances, very close friends of mine who I talk to probably weekly, a lot of them, um, monthly, most of them. And... Um, they have had a huge impact, not only on my financial success, but on my personal success um, and, and just poured into my life. Um, my, my wife had breast cancer a few years ago and just the amount of people who came and, and gave to that or I um, just emotionally or I did a fundraiser climbing Mount Akangawa, which is the largest uh, mountain outside of the Himalayas in the world in South America. Wow. And uh, we did a fundraiser for that and and raised about $75,000, myself and another guy. And all of those guys really stepped up and, and gave to it. it. So the blessing is not only in the the mental part that you learn, but in the way that you're able to give and help the world. Um, it's fun right now. A couple of the guys from the irrigation group are looking to transition out and sell their businesses and seeing that and seeing, having them call me and tell me that I've made an impact in their lives and in their businesses and allowed them to do that. And um, that they are getting millions of dollars more because of that is, is exciting to see. Um, you, you feel like you're, you're adding value to the world and to life and that they're adding value to your life too. That is so awesome, man. So you, you, you're part of an entrepreneur organization mastermind. You're a part of a irrigation specific mastermind and, and obviously you're part of GoBundance for like, you know, investing strategies and stuff like that. I am curious, what's an investment that you've made that has surprised you? Oh, I, I have lots of those, Justin. I, I And I think, so it, when I talk about peer groups, I don't think only the formal ones that you're paying for or involved in that way add value to your life. I mean, if you're involved at your church and, yeah. and you're in a Bible study with a group of guys, I mean, you, you need people to grow you spiritually. You need people to grow you financially. Uh, you need people who who can grow you in your marriage, right? Some older men who have gone through things. You need people to grow you when you're dealing with teenagers. Um, just I, a lot of people think there's a one group fixes all, and and it hasn't been for me. Um, so investments that surprise me, I I, uh, I I'm gonna pick on one that's that's fun for me right now. That's current instead of picking on an older one. I I started um, when I was in my business um, investing in in multifamily homes a long time ago. And us being a seasonal business, I would spend my winters swinging a hammer and patching drywall and doing those kind of things. And then I started incorporating the guys into that a little bit here and there because they needed some money instead of being on employment for the winter. Um, and that that grew for me over time. And I got involved in also some commercial. And my my latest one is uh, is self-storage. So recently, well, one of my best friends from college um, it was hanging out with him and talking about a place down the road. He lives in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And if you know anything about it, there's not a lot up there. That's where I went to right. college. It's yeah. uh, 
it's as far north as you get in the country. It's God's country. It's beautiful up there. Um, and and I know you're a bit of an expert with government stuff, but uh, the government doesn't always uh, doesn't always do the smartest things. And they built a prison back in the 90s and uh, <laughs> they decided that they were going to heat it with wood that the prisoners wow. would cut and split. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Let them let them let them walk around with axes, prisoners. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a smart plan by our government, but right, um, right. but it's 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 pretty cool. Over time, this this prison shut down after ten or fifteen years. It just wasn't a sustainable plan. They put in their own septic plan. It, it gets more snow than anywhere in Michigan does where this is located, and um, so it's been closed ten or fifteen years. So my buddy and I, we bought it here here what? recently are, are you serious yeah we're converting it into a self-storage facility so super fun oh. investment um <laughs> that that we've got going we've we've got the largest uh electrical company in the state is um is contacted the state right before we closed on it and uh i've been meeting with them and we've just about got a plan for them to lease out some of the property um as their staging area to redo the power system the whole grid for that area um, wow. So that's worked out well. We already have customers to store boats and RVs inside the property um, in, in the old woodshed, a big part of it, because um, it's yeah. a giant woodshed up there um, that we're fully enclosing. Um, but it's I've, just... looked at, I've looked at contracts, government contracts in that area. And you're right. I, I One of the tactics I do is I go in and Google Earth and I look at where the job is. Man, that is a beautiful place. Northern Michigan. I went to Grand Rapids and just fell in love with freshwater waves, three, four foot freshwater waves, not having to worry about stingrays or sharks biting you. Like, and, you know, a beautiful lake. Like, it, you're right. It is God's country out there. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt that. If that is incredible, you bought a prison. Yeah. It's it's just fun, right? I mean, it's it's a fun thing to talk about. I mean, and we're up closer to Lake Superior, so you talk about three or four foot waves. We've I've been stuck out in six to eight footers in Lake Michigan, but uh, on small small boats. But out there, they go surfing when in the winter, like when the before yeah. the ice sets in, in like twelve to fourteen foot waves on Lake Superior coming in full wetsuits. But I mean, well, I can get sidetracked on some of that stuff. Some of those things are are fun things to just appreciate yeah. our faith. I'm here in Costa Rica living. My construction company runs itself and I live literally walking distance to Dominical world-class waves where you're out there and you're paddling and you're you're about you're seeing a wave come at you that's 12 to 14 feet that you're going to have to go through, go under or just get pounded by and you're right man, it is exhilarating like catching those waves and the power, you know, the power of nature. It's I could divert on that topic as well for a long time. So no worries. <laughs> yeah. You don't think of that in a freshwater lake. <laughs> right. Right. So curious, um, what's the best one or two success secrets you would say to our audience about growing your business sustainably? Yeah. So it's probably not where you think I'd go. Um, but I, I think the biggest part of prayer is listening. Um, and, and I think all of us as, as entrepreneurs, we think we know everything. Lots of times we, we think with our own heads, we see with our own eyes, we hear with our own ears. And, and we've talked about getting outside perspective and surrounding yourself with good people. But really in, in my heart, I believe that there's, there's a God who made everything, who knows everything and who is everywhere. Too, and, um, too. Yeah. And, and I think the more you turn to him and try and figure out which path he wants you to take, the better the path is. Um, and I think all of us do that too little. So I, I take what um, I, I have a plan and pray Friday once a month where I step away from everything. My cell phone goes off and I'm, I'm working in a planner. I'm, I'm working on reading. I'm, I'm working on reviewing things I've got going. I, and I'm trying to write out lists to try and write out plans. Um, it ends up a little bit different every month, but I need that time to try and listen. I, I talk too much and don't listen enough. And for me, I think if I had to give credit to one thing behind my success, it's it's really the Lord. I mean, the Lord has 
has given me those opportunities and has put me in a place and, and my net worth isn't as high as lots of people's is um, my business. Honestly, I, I don't run it for myself anymore. I, I run it to see my employees have success. Um, that's, that's my why. Um, but, but the more that I'm able to, to pour back into it and give to it. And, and I also run it to see our customers have a service provided that, that they really love and enjoy. Um, I've realized that's the benefit of what we do and that's why people pay us. Um, mm. so we, we try and make a, a fair profit. I mean, we're, we're not a nonprofit. We don't give things away, but we don't look to make big money off of anyone we work for. Um, yeah. we, we want to treat them fairly. And I, and I think really the businesses that you say see sustain long-term, I mean, my family being in business for, what is it? 65 years this year. Um, mm. you go, that doesn't happen from making a quick buck. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes I, I see guys and they've, they've made millions of dollars in a couple of years and they all seem to run to pardon, pardon the place, but, but Southern Florida, and they all collaborate there because they don't have the connections with their community and with the people around them or the relationships. I couldn't leave here. I mean, the yeah. people in my life are, are some of my biggest blessings. And mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really the secret to success is um, there used to be on the church where I went to college, there used to be this thing on the wall that had said joy and it was vertical J O Y Jesus, others, you. And I think you get the Jesus first, you get the others piece next, and and then you put yourself at the bottom and things just line up. Um, good things happen when when you're not all about you. Amen. You know, that's one of the principles that I always try to teach my audience is we get stuck in the business chase, you know, money, cool stuff. But really, really, if we focus on God, wife, kids and business, everything will flow to us. It's like a bird that goes hunting for the food all day compared to the bird that has the food in the bowl. It's easily, it just gets all its food right out of the bowl. Well, if we make it about God first and try to have that connection and listen, like you said, that is one of the best success secrets for a, a sustainable business that you, you have your Friday uh, plan and play where you unplug, where you connect with God and other uh, faiths, other religions, you know, they have that too, like a Sabbath on Saturday where they turn off everything and no technology and Islam, they, they have it on Friday. So I, it's beautiful that you're saying that, that the monotheistic threads that are parallel, I, I'm, I appreciate you bringing that into this because not everybody taps into their spirit. And that's good for our audience because, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is shine light and spread goodness. Thanks for sharing. Now, what would you say is an area, two to three areas, a business owner should focus on if they're at the one to $3 million mark and they're trying to take their business to the five, seven, $10 million mark? Yeah, I think something that I've learned is those numbers don't mean anything depending on the industry, right? Um, if you're selling giant machinery and you sell one piece of machinery or um, in, in my EO peer group, if there's a guy who sells real estate, he sells $1 million house, right? Or two, one, $3 million house. It's a lot different than when I'm doing a whole bunch of hundred dollar services. Right. Um, so, so if, if I'm saying what's my general advice to look to grow to your company, um, I, I think you have to find great people to surround yourself with that that's key. Um, so no matter where you are, if you're fully self-reliant, you have to decide that you want to be a, a true S and really own your job. Um, that's, that's what a really small business person does, right? They have. And, and I think over the years, I've realized that there's different steps and stages in each business, whether you're in irrigation or you're in real estate or you're in uh, framing or roofing, it it doesn't matter. There's a place where that business is stable and successful. And in order to go to the next level, you have to swallow a lot of your profits and you have to change a lot of your systems and you have to move up there. And that's not for everybody. I used to think if you weren't growing, you're dying. That's not true. If you're not improving, you're maybe dying. Mm -hmm. um, but in the irrigation industry, um, 
there's a stage where you're the guy out there in the truck, right? And you do all your billing at the end of the day. Um, and, and you could compare it with any other business. It's the same deal, right? You're out doing the roofing yourself and putting on roofs. Well, then you hire a few employees and all of a sudden you're managing people. Well, you see how the systems have to change. You have to be willing to change to take those next steps to go to that next level. Um, and then you hit about five people and all of a sudden you need an office manager to do the billing because you're out doing the selling, you're out doing the install, you're out doing the jobs and you need somebody to answer the phone because you can't do all of those things at once. Well, the dynamics of the business change. And in our industry, it changes about every time you double. Um, so you go from five people to 10 people and all of a sudden you need managers running your service and running your construction. Uh, you go to 20 people and all of a sudden you can't have touches with all of those. And so you need someone managing your office staff and, and things look different. Um, you go to 50 people and all of a sudden you're starting to hit HR managers and, and need a general manager and get other things off your plate. It, it's being willing to transition all the time. And I think you need to know your numbers. You need to understand what that transition means as far as numbers, as far as people, and you need to learn from people who've already gone through it. So that's that's been my experience. I You said something very valuable. You said, for me, now it's about, it's not about me anymore. It's about running this business for my employees to have success. I'm curious, because that's where I'm at now. Like I run my business just so my guys and girls can have an opportunity to create something for themselves. I'm curious what strategies, what um, do you have some type of like a shared ownership? Like what are some things you're doing that um, where your workers, the people who are growing, helping you run your business feel like, man, this is, this is home. I'm sticking here because of this. Yeah, that'd be a better question to ask them, but I can answer that a little bit. Um, so I, um, I, I'm like a lot of entrepreneurs. I like chasing squirrels. Um, not many people you talk to probably bought prisons, right? Um, yeah. I, I always enjoy strange, exciting things and have lots of weird hobbies. And we could get into those things too, but that's not really what this podcast is about. Me too, um, me too. <laughs> maybe a little bit. So, yeah. um, but- uh, I started using the traction system. Um, Gino Wickman wrote a book called Traction, which is uh, referred to as EOS. E EO is the entrepreneurial um, organization. EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. And that book changed my life. Um, the one that changed my life even more uh, was his follow-up on that called Rocket Fuel. And Rocket Fuel talks about a visionary integrator relationship and I am realized I'm all visionary and I suck as an integrator. I'm not good at the day-to-day. -day. I'm not good at details. Um, when I was in school, um, it, my joke was always I could write a page every five minutes if I had to write a paper. So I just multiply five minutes times how many pages the paper was. And that's how I was going to write it. Um, just I, I squirrel between things, run super fast. Um, and I am not the guy who picks up all the pieces on the floor. I make the messes. I, I'm the, as my team calls it, swirling vortex, um, or steamroller. Um, I feel like yeah. I'm talking to an older, wiser, wiser version of myself. Cause everything you're saying <laughs> describes me. <laughs> yep. You hear some of that. It's part of being entrepreneurs. That's the way we are. Right. And, yeah. and you need to learn to balance and taper that and appreciate the other side of that. Um, so about five years ago, I hired in a general manager and, and he runs the day to day. Um, I'm not at my business that much anymore. I, I, I get kid kitted both by our peer group. Um, my, my nickname ends up being rain man, um, from the movie as well as from, uh, sprinkling. And, yeah. um, I, I'm better with numbers and investments and I'm not always the people person. And my team has really built their people under them. Uh, Tony, my operations manager, he has 27 years with me now. Um, and he really has a team of loyal people who he's connected with. Sean in our office is our customer care manager. She has a team of, of women who I think would do about anything for her. And, and she works hard to take care of them. And they're given that freedom. Uh, Matthew, our general manager, um, he does a Grapids Grill once a month. Um, that 
that we put out burgers and and we do brats. Um, he cooks them breakfast. I, I come and do it sometimes, but I've got so many other irons in the fire. I can't be here day to day. Um, so he reminds me I'm supposed to be grandpa. I'm supposed to pat people on the back and and give them love and not uh, be shoving them out of the office anymore and telling them to get to work. And, and that's hard for me. I mean, growing up in this business since I was 12, um, and, and giving up my role as, as really the driving force behind the company and instead being the one who sets the picture of where the company is going has, has been a hard transition. Gosh, I'm like almost tearing up over here, hearing these stories, man. Like this is awesome information. I'm curious about culture. Could you shine some light on how you've developed or techniques or things that each person does. Like you just mentioned that grappage grill once a month. What are some other things that y'all are doing to instill culture where you're not having to be the person in the office and you get to be that grandpa? There's a gazillion pieces. I mean, I could go off on a bunch of different areas. With Let's that. go. Yeah. In, in, in the traction system, I mean, core values is a key piece. And so when we laid those out, um, number one is integrity, um, integrity and morality. We want to do the right thing. We want to treat people the right pay way. If if we ever hear that one of our techs is not doing that with a customer, that's grounds for immediate dismissal. Um, if we're not stepping up that way and people don't have that value, they don't belong here. Um, number two um, for us is helping others. So we are out there to not only help our employees, but to help our customers to make their lives better. If we are not doing that, we are not serving our purpose. Um, three, it's just nature of the beast in this business is um, working hard. Um, you're running a shovel. Everybody knows if you've dug across your yard that that's hard work. Um, and then working smart and doing it in an intelligent way is number four for us. Um, that's That's been a big one. So beyond that, if I'm playing off of one of my favorite things, we uh, there's a book called The Dream Manager. Oh, my God. And, I love that book by Matthew Kelly. Yes. The wonders of that book is the concept. The horrors of that book is there's nothing to implement anything. Right. Um, you yeah. you read and listen to the book and you go, what do I do now? That's a great idea. Yeah. I love this. I, this is this is a world changer, but I have no idea how to do it. Um, so I kind of took the the traction book um, before they were doing this and personalized it. Um, some of my plan and pray on Fridays is laying out my VTO, which is the vision traction organizer, um, personally, and had done that with my EO group. And I started doing that with all my people um, so they can come in and sit down with me for 90 minutes once every 90 days. And, and we go through their life. It has nothing to do with grapids. It has nothing to do with sprinkling. It can, um, but it's to do with them. So it was interesting to me to find out where my people are and what their passions are and help them get directed in how to do that. Um, so books that I hand out during that quite often are, are Dave Ramsey's financial planning book. Um, his original financial piece had a workbook that came with it. Um, that you could buy. And I give the people those a lot of times, if that's the stage where they are, and help them learn how to budget, help them to learn to run the envelope system, help them to learn to run within their means, help them learn to pay off their debt. Um, but there, we have employees who are far beyond that. Um, one of my goals um, within that five-year period was to, um, the next five years is to have 10 millionaires coming out of our company. Um, and you think, well, they're ditch diggers, they're sprinkler guys. They can't do that. No, they can't. Uh, they have lots of opportunities. We have lots of successful people and, and I want them to have more success. I mean, that's really much more of a driving force to me than, than building my own bank account. And, and so laying that out with some of these people who are now investing in houses and remodeling them over the winter or figuring out how to pay off their old uh, medical debt that gets me up and excites me in the morning. And I think that builds our culture too, is, is seeing an owner and seeing managers who really care about you day to day. Um, we, we always fight against the term family because I heard that at one point, but it comes up forever and ever and ever. I mean, we really are a family here, even though the company's gotten bigger. Um, and the people who connect with the family and give to the family, it's, it's like your teenager who 
sometimes they're running off and they decide they want to do other things, but sometimes they really plug in and hold to it. I mean, we've got a lot of, for a seven month a year business, we've got a lot of 10 year plus employees um, and, and they wow. come back every year. And, and I think that's part of our culture, even though it's, it's not necessarily the most fun work that you ever do. Um, people find purpose. That is that's awesome, man. I uh, I appreciate you sharing those those insights. You know, and as as each company grows, the 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 owner takes on a new role within the organization. It sounds like you're in a position where you get to be the visionary and and oversee things. You're not having to actually do the work. So I classify you with my stamp of approval as a real construction owner. So I'm curious, with that being said, what is your role at your company? Yeah, the term is the visionary. Um, so what does that mean? Um, I'm not in most of the day. Um, I try and show up every morning and play grandpa, um, but I don't do it first thing in the morning. So I'm primarily doing it with our leadership team and people around the office. Most of our techs are out working. Um, so I set the picture of where we're going. Um, I sit in all of our, what are called level 10 meetings, which are 90 minutes a week and, and review all of our numbers from big standpoint, uh, deal with some of our issues, give my history and viewpoint on things, um, as well as from the industry in general. Um, I'm, I'm setting a lot of our, our BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, um, that are out five years. Um, setting where we're going and why we're going there and what that means for you. Um, I am I am still managing a lot of our big relationships. So not necessarily as far as work, but uh, like insurance, accounting, uh, those kind of things, industry relationships with manufacturers. Um, I'm still the face of the company for those things, even though I'm not here driving everything day to day. I love that. Could you elaborate a little further about, you said you show up in the morning and you set the picture because I, I ask you this question because I have this business that's running. I have a service recruiting manager who gets new people in the door to go sell. I have an operations manager who does the billing and the collections and stays on my admins that are from the Philippines doing all that actual work. And then I have a service manager who actually does all the, you know, gets the garage built, gets the roof built, gets the stuff scheduled with the subcontractors. But I find myself having to like check in on them every morning. I'm Could you elaborate what you mean by show up in the morning, set the picture? Because yeah. I, I need to overcome, I need to overcome this for my business. Yeah. So you are doing integrator roles in the things you described, Justin, um, which I'm not good at. Um, I used to do that. I've grown up doing that. I've been the manager at each of those levels and stages, right? Um, I, I, as far as how our accounting runs, I glance at it every day, but I'm setting how I want it to look as far as our balance sheet and our P&L and the line items and how we keep track of things, but I'm not doing it. I'm not checking in with that manager. Um, I'm not watching any of our bills anymore. I'm not involved in that. Um, it, as far as set the picture. The picture again is bigger. It's not the picture for today. It's, it's the picture for, for life or for the quarter or for the year. Um, I am not managing our, our people who are doing the scheduling. I, um, I don't even always say hi to their manager. I, I try to just to be friendly and be grandpa, um, and encourage the culture and tell them that I appreciate them. Um, but I am trying to go, all right. So if I ideally get down three months is about as small as I like getting down. There's week to week things, but when we come up with issues out of our level 10 meeting, those land on my managers. And so in the traction system, they break it out into um, you have an integrator and some people would call it a general manager. You have um, uh, an operations manager and my operations manager oversees anything that you physically put your hands on. So installation and, and service of sprinklers, um, as well as we do yard drainage and, and some holiday lighting and landscape lighting. Um, those are under him. How the stuff looks in our shop is under him. Uh, we have a sales manager. 
um, sales and marketing that that handles monitoring and managing salespeople and also the sales of those construction people because a service person ends up kind of doing both, right? They have to sell and price things for customers as well as do the work. Um, and, and then we have um, someone who handles our finances. So we've had a controller um, who is the one who's watching all of our numbers and dollars. And then for us, the piece that we added on, because our operationally, that's our big piece. Now, maybe you're hearing that quickly, uh, the guys out in the field, but also the piece in the office. And we added on what we call a customer care manager. And so she's dealing with all those customers who are unhappy because um, because their bill is bigger than they thought or because we didn't show up on time or I mean, we make mistakes. We're not perfect. And so she makes everything right with all those people all the time is both looking forward as well as looking backward. Hmm, hmm. That's very valuable wisdom. I appreciate that. I'll share this with my partner and because I'm I consider myself a real construction owner, but I'm still I'm not 100% there. And that's why I started this podcast. So I could learn from men who and women who have that wisdom, who are already doing this. So this has been a blast. My last and final question, actually two more. Okay. My One of my last questions would be to you is, what would you say is your best process in your business that you're most proud of? I want to say monitoring our KPIs over time, but I, I could pick different things, different places. That really doesn't affect sprinkling. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on that. So I would say we have a book called our Grapids Way book, the Grapids Way. Um, and again, this concept comes out of traction. But the book is we print it each year as a waterproof book, and so it lays out all the different processes and pieces in a very simple way. So I, I shouldn't say all, we want it We want it big and broad. I don't want something that's, that's uh, I, I know companies similar to mine who have a thousand page manual and every detail that you come across, they answer that question in there. That's not what we're looking to do. Um, realistically, we basically probably do about 10 different operational things in the field. Right. We put in gear heads, we put in spray heads, we put in valves, we put in controllers, um, the pieces. It's specified very carefully the way that we should do that and the way that we shouldn't do it, both with pictures and descriptions in that book that any guy who barely speaks English can understand or any guy who has a Ph.D. can understand. Um, I, I think that is the process that I'm probably the most proud of. Um, it also explains in there the reason for making, um, I don't always like the term sale, but how we're helping the customer with that. The, the two go together, right? So if you have a leak on your gearhead from the seal, how quickly does that pay back for you as a customer? If I'm coming to your house and I tell you this is going to be 50 bucks to change this thing, you want to, I mean, you as a business person, which is a lot of our customers or as a doctor, as an attorney, want to understand why do I want to do that? I mean, I've already committed to keeping my lawn green, but why do I want to fix this thing that now leaks? Um, it still works. And you go, well, there's a three-year payback on water for that. And that would be specified out in there. Or if you have a leaking valve, what is the reason you change a leaking valve? Or we deal, I mean, we've got systems from my grandpa back in the 60s, right? And what's the reason that you'd want to change your controller from the 60s to a modern controller? Um, that book specifies that so we can have a conversation about that. We can train from it. Um, it also does a lot of our processes for the offices and our standards, talks about some of our guarantees. I mean, we even have things as specific as, as how each of our guys is supposed to flag heads. So if it's a leak, they're supposed to put this color flag. Um, if, if it is a leaking seal in a head, they're supposed to put their flag in this way or this color. Um, it gets down to some of those things that we want standardized, but the book is probably only 30 pages of waterproof two-sided stuff that's uh, half of an eight and a half by 11. Um, we try and keep it very clean, very concise, but have it that if you knew that book and you came from another company, you know exactly what my expectation is of how I want you to treat the customer with the type of work we do. Um, you know, the details of off of pump, 
I, I like a minimum distance. So the Venturi comes out of the water before the water turns. Um, because that's what I've learned in classes over time. And as somebody who doesn't know that they can get the basics of that. I like uh, that the pipe coming out of a pump is done in metal instead of plastic, because that's the area that overheats uh, if, if the water's sitting there and churning. So that's our way of doing it. And other companies don't necessarily do it that way, but that's my choice. And we want everybody at Graphics to do it the same. That's brilliant. It's your expectations of how you want to treat your clients, how you want to do the installation. It's broken down in a way where it shows not necessarily all the pieces, but in a broad spectrum. So a new green individual coming into your business can understand the business and, and your expectations. That's so even with the pictures, it's been interesting, Justin, because we have like a WhatsApp chat. And so guess what all the guys now post on the WhatsApp chat? <laughs> Your pictures. Their own pictures that are duplicates of what we've put in that book. So they nice. want to show the inside of the controller and we want windings on every wire in there done around a pencil so that it, it has room for expansion if you put in another controller, but it also helps with surges for electrical. So I see pictures almost every day of the way that I want controllers done without having to go and train everybody to do that. And then if nice. they do something that's a little bit off, I private message them and say, hey, I don't like it that your sticker is on the left-hand side of the controller and not in the center top. Um, and nice. they go, oh, well, I didn't realize that. I'll fix that from now on. Nice, nice. That's brilliant, man. This has been a blast, Aaron. You're you're doing great things. You are truly a real construction owners. And listeners, if you want to collaborate with Aaron with G Rapids Irrigation or if you're an individual looking to who has to move to Michigan and you're looking for a great place to work and maybe Aaron wants to expand, Aaron, how can our listeners reach out to you? Yeah, so my direct uh, email um, is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at grapids.com, G-R-A-P-I-D-S.com, or our our website is grapids.com. Um, and our phone number is 616-235-6666. Nice. Awesome. Four, this is not three. Yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> this has been a this has been a blast, Aaron. Thank you so much for getting on the call. And hopefully we can see each other at one of the GoBundance events and or be a part of a GoPod where I can, you know, offer value to your group or you can offer value to my group. Thanks, brother.